Welcome back, everyone. This is, this is a special edition of the Bless You Boys podcast. Bless You Boys is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball. Um, we're going to have a, a draft-heavy episode tonight and probably a shorter one than normal. Um, we're not going to go... The Tigers are through 10 rounds right now. Everyone is. And we're probably not going to go and do anything um, beyond that because once you get into the teens and beyond, it's it's just chaos that way. So we're going to stick to the, the top 10 rounds um, and with me and joining me tonight is our site editor, managing editor, bless you boys, Rob or Jackie. Rob, how's it going? Uh, not bad. Uh, I would be a little bit happier if the Tigers had drafted, what was the guy's name, Jax Biggers. Um, but they got a couple of decent ones in there, so uh, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, we did get, uh, what's his name, Tarek Skrubel, which isn't too bad. Uh-huh. <clears throat> there was another, yeah, there were a couple others I really liked, though, unfortunately. We didn't pull any of those guys. <laughs> Brock, Brock Deathrage or whatever his name is, too. Oh, that's true. We did get Brock Deathridge. Yep. But yes, yeah. henceforth, he will never be referred to as Brock Deathridge. It'll be Deathrage. Yep, of course. Yeah, it has to be. Um, okay, so before we get into this, and um, I just I just want to read a quote that John Nio of the Detroit News um, just put out on Twitter from Scott Pleiss, who's the Tigers director of amateur scouting, um, the guy who basically runs the draft board for the Tigers. Um, and he asked him whether or not analytics played a much bigger role in Detroit's draft decisions this year. And what he had to say was that in the past, we didn't really have any analytics. So now that we do, yeah, it was a factor on every pick. And I think that was telling because um, I, basically everyone who, who pays attention to the draft and is interested in the draft on the site, um, a lot of friends of the site um, that we know, generally it seems like everyone is really pretty pleased, like all the way down through the first 10 rounds. And um, that's a bit of a new experience. So um yeah, what, how did you uh, how did you take Mr. Place's quote, and do you see its effects in the way they drafted this year? I mean, it's really tough to see the effects of like analytics on draft picks because I mean, all they really did for a lot of these picks was take guys with a lot more high upside, and you don't necessarily need to have you know analytics factoring into your picks to really aim for that. I mean, other teams have been doing that for years now. Um, you know, even the Tigers, if they had, you know, had just kind of a different approach in the draft, they might have done that. And so the actual effects of the analytics are really kind of hard to see. Maybe you see it in a guy like Cody Clemens, their third round pick, who, you know, has absolutely mashed at Texas this year. He has, what, 21, 22 home runs, yep. is slugging over 700. Um, not really a guy that the scouts are high on. I think he was like number 150 or something on uh, MLB Pipeline's board, even though he was taken with like the 75th overall pick. Um, but just a guy who's produced in college and maybe, you know, that's where the analytics are showing up to say like, you know, these guys with this, these specific numbers or skill sets or something are going to translate well to, to the major league level. But, um, you know, in the, in that case, it's going to be tough for us to kind of identify, especially with only, you know, one day's worth of draft picks to go on. Uh, it's going to take a few years now. Uh, you know, we've t- seen some of the stuff like with the Ronaldo Rivera last year and the, you know, supposed track man data that they had. Um, but in terms of, you know, anything else coming out about these players and what they're targeting, uh, that one's going to be tough to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how we would know it, but um, but you have to think that to some degree, like, find, especially finding guys from um, some of the more out-of-the-way out schools, um, some of the more out-of-the-way out way colleges and high schools, uh, being able to kind of take that that information about how you know this guy's you know walk rate, his strikeout rate, you know his exit velocity off the off the bat, um, the batted ball profile, and kind of 
maybe be able to cross-reference some of those things and see how how you know similar guys in similar conferences or or leagues or high school environments may be fared going up. But um, but as you say, there, there's really really no way to 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 tell how those things are going to play in the long term. Um, it's just that um, yeah, I mean they seem to have generally kind of kind of picked up a lot more upside and took a lot less of the sort of you know, five fringy, you know, maybe average tools without, you know, much upside, you know, org depth type guys, um, which we've kind of railed against in the past. And, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe they didn't think, maybe they didn't see those guys that way at the time. Um, That's just kind of how they've, they've played out. But um, yeah, you look at it like Cody Clemens in particular, obviously he isn't, um, he's not an unknown. Um, He's the son of uh, Roger Clemens, who is, you know, fairly notable Major league pitcher, so I've heard I've heard of him. Yeah, I don't know. He's not a Hall of Famer, but you know, pretty good. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I mean, I know he had a thirteen percent walk rate this year. Maybe maybe you look at some of those things, but but again, he's a guy who the question is whether or not he's going to hit enough. But he has speed, he has power, um, he has you know the potential to to grow into something better. Whether he will or not, you know, is up to him from this point out. But um, but there there aren't too many guys in this. Um, kind of in this top 10 who, you know, you just kind of look at them and just think like, well, there's, you know, there's, there's really no chance of that guy being anything more than like a, you know, a bench player or a, you know, or just an org depth type piece. So, yeah. I mean, if, if anything, they've almost skewed a little bit too far towards like just potential. I mean, you look at this class here and other than Casey Mize, I mean, they could whiff on these other nine picks. You can come out of this with Mize and absolutely nothing. And so I, I had mentioned this, I think, either on Twitter or on the site today, that it really seems like Al is kind of swinging for the fences here. I mean, he's going after a lot of high upside guys. I mean, their fourth-round pick, Kingston Liniac. This is, you know, a total boomer bust guy. He's a big, you know, lanky guy who could hit for power, has a lot of speed, um, but is totally raw right now and could absolutely flame out. Here's another one that maybe was overdrafted a little bit, but, um, you know, between, uh, you know, taking a high school guy in the fourth round, a uh, guy who's apparently asking for about a million bucks, uh, as well as, um, you know, just the fact that they're, you know, they're grabbing him there, um, really kind of tells you that they're probably confident they're going to get him signed. And it seems like a couple of their later picks, um, the last two, I think the ninth and 10th rounders are both seniors um, who should sign for well under slot to give them a little bit more money to work with. Um, so I don't think we're going to see many signability concerns, but yeah, it's really interesting to kind of see what all they've done. I mean, even even a guy like Adam Wolf, their fifth rounder out of Louisville, he's kind of a, you know, it's not a, the sexiest profile, but still, it's a guy who you know has a chance to start long term. Um, he's a lefty, uh, and you know, still throws you know ninety to ninety three. He has a cutter, apparently a cutter that he just he googled Mariano Rivera cutter on the yeah. internet. And uh, that's how he learned to throw it. Um, so, you know, you kind of like a guy like that, as well as some of the other ones that are, you know, even more boomer bust types. Yeah, yep, I agree. Yeah, and like speaking of Wolf, like, you know, there, there's just, there's a little bit more there. You know, there's a little bit of funk to his arm angle. Um, you know, he's got a decent pair of secondary pitches. And you just kind of look at that and think like, was, you know, was Tyler Alexander that much better than that, you know, to, to take, you know, you know a couple, couple rounds higher? Or are you getting... You know, a guy with with similar you know similar stuff, and you know maybe just you know a, a longer development curve um, to maybe have a chance like that. You know that might be slightly optimistic, but you figure that's kind of the way the Tigers are, you know, kind of looking at it. And like you said, you know, um, you know Clemens, you know as well might be a guy who maybe you can get him a little bit under slot. I you know Liniac is kind of swinging for the fences. I agree, and um, but again, you know that's a guy who you know. 
maybe not a dissimilar um, prospect in terms of his chances as um, Ray Rivera, who they took in the second round last year. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy with a lot of power, but um, you don't really know if he's going to hit. But in this case, you know, Liniak, you know, can run. Um, is graded out as a pretty good defender. So you just, you know, you have a little bit more meat on the bone there, even though, yeah, plenty of these guys are still a real risk to just not hit at all. Yeah, but with with Liniak in particular, uh, you mentioned meat on the bones. Um, he actually needs to develop a little bit more of that. <laughs> Uh, and so that's kind of the difference between him, him and Rivera right now is that Rivera was already kind of physically maxed out um, when he came out of Chipola. Uh, even though he's only like 19, 20 years old, this is a guy who's, you know, very big um, and who, you know, you saw him and you see like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to hit for power. Uh, they're kind of banking on Liniac developing a little bit of that, putting on a little bit more good weight and so that he can hit for some of that raw power. Um, but even right now, he's still a very good runner. I think I saw a plus grade on his speed earlier. Um, At so, least above average, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, this is a guy who, again, if everything pans out, he could be like a 5 tool guy. Uh, but that is, you know, a very, very, very high, uh, very, very high risk that he's actually going to hit that. Yeah, and you know, and and you also have to kind of factor that he's going into a system without you know that much of a track record of of developing bats that that weren't already well on the radar. Um, so that that's the next challenge for the Tigers. You know, okay, we've got the analytics department. Maybe maybe that had some impact on the draft, but the next part of it is to figure out ways to to kind of maximize all these guys' potential as much as possible. And um, that's that's going to take a long time, especially for um the, you know a number of prep players that they took who you know are are quite a ways away but have a lot of uh, a lot of potential so let's mm-hmm. um you know we we've kind of beaten Casey Mice to death like I feel like I know him like his own mother at this point um did you have any any real thoughts about them taking Casey Mice I mean Keith Law came up with the the Joey Bart you know last minute thing just to fulfill that sort of requirement of the draft and then uh and then they did what we all thought they would do all along and took Casey Mice and I'm I'm reasonably happy with that you know it wasn't uh you know you would have liked to, you know, have seen like some monster arm, you know, or a Bryce Harper up there. But um, Casey Mize looks like he should be a, a very solid pitcher for years to come and should provide yeah. pretty good value at, even at one. Absolutely. I'm going to quote Keith Law here again. He said uh, on uh, ESPN today, he said the Tigers had the first pick in a draft with one player who is clearly the best and they took him. And sometimes you just deserve credit for not screwing up a good thing. And, you know, I agree with that. Mize was, by all accounts, the top prospect in the draft. I mean, everyone had him ranked number one, and they took the top guy. And so, you know what? They did what they were supposed to. Yep. And even, um, you know, even people who, you know, kind of early on, you know, kind of recognize that, yeah, like maybe his fastball isn't, um, you know, isn't the explosive monster that you'd like to see in a future ace. You know, all the all those same people who had those concerns, you know, in the end all came down on, well, you know, Casey Mize is, is clearly the best player right now. So it was pretty much a no-brainer. Um, yeah, I mean, he's... Uh, just a little bit more on him. He's so polished that he, of all the Tigers pitching pos- prospects, you've got Perez and Burroughs and Fajardo, he still might be the first one at the majors, even with like giving the others a year or more head start. Yeah, yeah, it seems seems really likely. I mean, it's, it seems like it's going to have as much to do with, you know, how the Tigers view their future as it does, you know, with Casey Mize, because, you know, th- maybe they'll shut him down and we won't see him um, the rest of the year. Maybe he'll get a little taste of Erie or... I don't know, Arizona Fall League, maybe if they just want to give him a long break. But um, but by next year, you know, he should be able to handle Erie, you would imagine, without too much trouble, um, settle yeah. in there and, and yeah. basically be ready to, for a call-up, you know, late next year yeah. if need. I mean, uh, a number of people have said 
that they, you know, I, I we've said on here that we would kind of like to see him put straight into double A, kind of like Atlanta did with Kyle Wright this year. Um, but some have, you know, also correctly noted that Erie's weather in April is pretty horrible. And so maybe they keep him down in Lakeland for a month and then send him up there. Um, and, you know, just to, more so to develop the consistency of it, not necessarily that he wouldn't be able to pitch in cold weather, um, but just to get him on a more consistent uh, basis starting every five days. Um, and then when the weather in Lakeland gets bad when it starts to rain every day in the summer, then they can send him up to Erie uh, where things are going to be nice. <laughs> yep, cool it up. Yep, makes perfect sense. So, yeah, I mean, no issues there. Um, you know, Parker Meadows um, is who they took it with the second um, the second pick um, at 44, 44th overall, um, center fielder out of Grayson High School in Georgia. Um, it, you know, there were quite a few um, pretty good-looking prep outfielders kind of all around that, that level that it looked like they had their choice on. And it seems like they've been tied to Meadows and were really interested in Meadows all along. Um, if people aren't familiar, he's the younger brother of Austin Meadows, who is a very high-end prospect who's made a really nice debut so far this year with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, yeah, I mean, that that looks like a, a really good pick to me. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of got all the tools at, at the prep level, and it's just a question of developing the bat because he looks like he should have the speed um, the speed to play center field and should develop, you know, plus power over time if, if things go according to plan. Um, did, were you pretty happy with that pick as well? Yeah, I was. Um, you know, I was really kind of hoping the Tigers would take a prep bat in the second round like they uh, were rumored rumor to and of all the ones that i'd kind of read about i think meadows was the one that intrigued me the most um, because it sounds like he has the best chance to hit of some of the others uh mike siani is another guy who the tigers were targeting there and he dropped to the fourth round i believe based on some signability concerns we'll see if he ends up going to school or not um but it sounded like siani was definitely the better defender a guy who's no doubt going to stick in center field um but i'd rather have the guy in meadows who is going to hit he's going to hit for power he's already like six four with a decent frame um and so he might eventually grow out of center field and might have to move to right field um but if he's hitting well enough that really shouldn't matter too much uh, and he could definitely be an above average defender over there because he's a pretty athletic guy yeah yeah he's got a big arm too so yeah he, he would fit right in um into right field if if it you know if it was necessary down the road but um yeah there was just a lot to like there um you know, it's funny to you know you start hearing terms like bloodline and pedigree thrown around quite a bit. Um, does that does that mean anything to you? Like to me, all it means is that this guy, you know, has has played around other good players. You know, you look at like Cody Clemens. Like I assume Cody Clemens has had the best of instruction. You know, since he was very young. Um, and you can look mm-hmm. you can look at those things either way. Like, is that a guy who maybe has less ceiling because he's he's already you know been getting you know kind of better instruction and playing against better competition, or is that you know is that, you know, a plus in his favor and just that there's there's a level of polish there that maybe, you know, a guy who kind of comes out of nowhere doesn't have? I would generally skew towards it, you know, being a plus for guys, um, you know, not even necessarily so much about the instruction they receive when they're younger or anything like that, but just the fact that they've seen, you know, what it's like to live in baseball, what it's like to be in this environment, um, you know, both from like how to conduct yourself in a clubhouse but also just to you know kind of know the ins and outs of it and know that like this is what you're going to do and know that you know these are the types of things you need to do to be successful at that level Um, rather than kind of having to learn the hard way you know these guys might have kind of a leg up and knowing like okay yeah i need to do x y and z to make sure that i'm successful at the next level or that so that i can get to the uh the next level and move up a level in the minor leagues stuff like that yeah, and maybe just having people who are close to him who who know the drill, you know, who know the pitfalls, especially when you're a young player, 
you know, moving out to live on your own and, you know, all, all the stuff that can go wrong if you're not, you know, putting in the work and, and doing things the right way. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't really, you know, it's probably not a huge plus and it probably does get talked about maybe more than is, you know, it actually, um, you know, kind of is relevant. But at the same time, you know, it's I don't think there's any way to look at it as a knock on a guy. So, yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, well, you you see the Tigers, they've gone with um, bloodline picks in, I think, rounds two, three and four. Um, with Meadows, whose brother is in uh, Clemens, obviously who talked, who we talked about, and then uh, the Detroit News noted that Liniac, uh, his uncle, had played for the Cubs, um, and his dad was a uh, prospect in the Rocky system back in the day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. So yeah, actually, he's another one who kind of yeah has some people to bounce things off over to, yeah, at least to know what to expect. Um, you know, even like with Matt Manning, like you know, just the fact that his dad was a pro athlete for, for eight or nine years. Um, you know, he, he talked about that, um, quite a bit. A lot of it didn't make the interview, um, that I did with him, but just, just kind of talking about, you know, being able to prepare him for, you know, yeah, just all the, the kind of little things that are going to happen to him out there and, you know, how, how you're going to hear, you know, people in the front office talk about you and, you know, just, just learning to understand, you know, what you should pay attention to and what you should ignore. So, yeah, I think in general, it's probably a good thing. Um, we talked a little bit about, um, Adam Wolf. Um, is there anybody, you know, let's, let's get into the, the bottom five. Cause these are the guys people probably aren't familiar with really at all. Um, is there anybody in particular out of the bottom five that you were, you were particularly happy to see them pick up? Well, I think the easy one to point out is, uh, Hugh Smith, um, 610, uh, guy out of, uh, Whitworth university. Um, you know, a guy who I believe he started out at Washington, um, but ended up transferring because, uh, you know, one of their coaches there kind of said, like, okay, you know, well, we're going to give you playing time. Um, and he apparently has grown like a foot since high school and has developed about, you know, 10, 12 miles per hour more on his fastball ever since then. He's definitely going to be a bit of a project. Uh, anytime you get a guy that big, uh, limbs that long, it's just going to be tough to kind of get all those moving parts in sync as a pitcher. Um, but he certainly has the stuff to, uh, you know, to succeed at the next level, I think. Um, so I'm really going to be interested in what how they kind of do, uh, go about everything with him. Um, and then Tarek Skubal, uh, is the other guy I kind of liked. Um, he had Tommy John, but, uh, is back to throwing kind of in the mid nineties. I think he struck out, uh, seeing here 106 guys in 80 innings this year. Uh, and anytime you're, you know, blowing smoke like that, you know, no matter what level of your, if you're blowing hitters away that much, I'm, I'm interested to see how they, uh, how they translate. He translates to the next level. Yeah. I, I really like, um, Skubal. I mean, you know, to, to get him at nine is, is pretty nice. Um, you know, it sounds like, you know, I mean, as as much as the strikeouts have been there, um, the, the control hasn't been. Um, but before, you know, he had Tommy John surgery in 2016. And before that, he did have pretty good control. I think he had a walk rate under three pretty consistently. Um, so, you know, you, you think that maybe he can get back to that. Um, and to get a guy in the ninth round who's a lefty who can hit 95, you know, with good life. Um, that, you know, that, that's a win, um, by any standards, you know, it's not that the secondaries are particularly good or there's anything else particularly notable, but obviously the Tigers have a dearth of lefties in the system, um, currently as well. And yeah, he's definitely a project, but a project with, um, pretty surprising upside to get at number nine, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're saying that he has a chance to start. Um, but even if you get like a, a, you know, a reliever that's throwing mid nineties from the left side in the ninth round, that's still a pretty good pick. Anything you get out of a guy down this low is, you know, pretty much gravy. Yep. And yeah, just, you know, just the fact that there's, there's that much upside there, I think is pretty good. And yeah, Hugh Smith, um, definitely, definitely interesting. Um, you know, can, you know, despite the, you know, the long limbs and the huge kind of, I don't even know, like Chris Young type frame, um, you know, he actually, you know, his, his walk rates are pretty good. His control gets 
graded, you know, reasonably good for a guy that size. So, um, yeah, I think there is a chance that he can kind of put it together. He's got a, he's got a above average slider. It sounds like the changeup is, is still pretty average, but yeah, I mean, he throws 96. Um, you know, it's, it's coming at you from about, you know, five or six inches higher than you're used to seeing. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to like there. Um, and yeah, you know, and then there's a guy like Jeremiah Burks, um, who they took out of Fresno state, um, in the eighth round, who's, who's kind of just an athlete. Um, he kind of, you know, like the descriptions of him, you kind of, and the little bit I saw, I only saw like a little clip of him, but he kind of reminds me of like Jose King, you know, who's just like a, you know, a really good athlete who's like got raw, you know, raw hit tool, um, has got a long way to go, um, to hit in the major leagues. Um, and even as a defender, but, um, it's just like a, a fast, you know, kind of speedy type athlete who, you know, has some physical strength and, you know, and, and it's a project, but again, you know, for a guy that you're getting in the eighth round, um, you know, there's a little something there. You never know. You might have a, uh, kind of a, an org depth guy, or you might have a backup, you know, middle infielder at some point. Yeah. So yeah. he's the, uh, he's the double plus runner, right? The 70 grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm interested in seeing what he does. Um, I also like De La Rosa, uh, Eric De La Rosa, their seventh round pick. Very, very raw guy uh, out of a junior college, I think, in California. Um, strikes me as almost somewhat of a Stephen Moya type, and then he's kind of big. He hits for a lot of power. Um, the approach isn't really there, um, but there's you know that's okay to have a guy like that. The problem with Stephen Moya wasn't that he was you know a flawed flawed prospect who had only you know one really really loud tool. Uh, it was that he was the top prospect in the system at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so you know if you have a couple of the guys coming through the system, if you get even one of them to you know actually click and become a good big leaguer, I mean that's huge for your system. Um, and so I have no problem with him drafting a guy like that. And I think he's going to get a lot of flack when those comparisons do come out. Um, but, you know, recognize that it wasn't Moya's problem that he was the best prospect in the system. Um, everything around him was the problem, not him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a guy like Steven Moya, you know, 10th, you know, 10th, and he's like the 20th, 20th, 25th best guy in your system when he starts out, that's great. You know, you'd love to have a, have a couple guys like that. Um, and that kind of speaks maybe to the, to the, the change in draft strategy. If the, if there is one, um, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of who is available, but, um, you know, the Tigers system, you know, obviously is still lacking, you know, those, that one or two like high end, you know, prospect bats that, that, you know, probably they need, um, they're going to have to acquire them somewhere, you know, either in trade or free agency. Um, but they need to hit on at least one for themselves here, you know, just, just to build through the system. But beyond that, there's, there's a lot of depth, you know, like there were, there were some, some of the trades last, um, last summer, you know, for JD Martinez in particular, we, you know, we knocked because some of those guys just didn't have, you know, much upside, you know, to, to give up, um, a player like JD Martinez for, um, obviously circumstances were what they were as far as JD, you know, maybe not having as many suitors as you might've thought and, and then, you know, heading into his free agent year. So, you know, we picked up some of those guys and I, it just feels like in general, there's a lot more depth to the system and it allowed them to kind of take, um, take a little more of a rip at, at some guys who, you know, may, may fail, may fall on their face. Um, but if even one of these guys, you know, beyond three hits, you know, they've, they've done very well for themselves. So it seemed like the right time, you know, to kind of go big for upside. And it feels like that's kind of how they approach it as well. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. And I think that Casey Mize kind of alleviates some of the concerns about that, too, because you have a guy who's, you know, already going to be so close to the major leagues that you can almost kind of afford to swing for the fences with that. Uh, you know, I even kind of started out our conversation, you know, with a caveat that, you know, aside from Mize, they're swinging from the fences um, so that you he, he kind of builds you in a little bit of a floor uh, that you, you know, otherwise might not have. 
uh, and it's just kind of a nice little safety net for them. Yep, and you know, you you take a look at the you know the whole system now, and there there's an awful lot of pitching depth. Um, you know, we're seeing guys like um, Elvin Rodriguez, who was acquired from the Angels in the Justin Upton trade, and Anthony Castro, who was kind of a sleeper after Tommy John surgery in 2015, and we've we've been watching him the last two years and and kind of picking him as sort of a sleeper pick and he's really come on as well and just got promoted to Erie. Um, and, you know, and those are guys who are way down the list, you know, beyond, you know, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Franklin Perez, Alex Fiedo, Bo Burrows, Kyle Funkhauser, Sandy Baez, Spencer Turnbull. There's a lot of good arms now. And, um, and, you know, seeing some of those guys like Castro and Rodriguez, you know, fill in there, you realize that like, that's, that's a place that the Tigers really have, built a strength and while it's you know it's kind of counter to the way a lot of teams are drafting and and emphasizing position players I kind of love it because I just I just cannot get my head around um you know doing things the way the Cubs did you know it obviously worked out and they won a World Series but now you see them with you know kind of pretty poor pitching depth um you know in the minor league system they've had to shell out a ton of money on free agent starters and I would rather I would rather the Tigers whatever amount of money they're going to spend whatever Chris Illich's kind of ceiling as far as the payroll is concerned I'd rather them be able to invest that in bats because it just seems like they're you know th- there's more consistent production um, there's less injury risk uh, in general so yeah I mean I, I think overall like the system is coming along pretty well even though they're kind of doing things a little bit contrary to to maybe the popular theory of the moment yeah um, you know I was gonna. I was kind of thinking of exactly what I want to write about this uh, a little bit later today. And one of the things that I was kind of thinking of saying is that, you know, you we, we can judge, um, you know, decisions in baseball based on both process and results. Like if, a, you know, the manager brings in a reliever who, you know, it seems like a good idea at the time, but then he goes out and gives up, you know, three runs. Like if a manager brings in his closer early and then he bring, gives up three runs, you know, it was a good idea to bring in their best guy in that situation or bring in the certain guy in that situation, but it just didn't work out for him. And I think that that's kind of the same thing that we're seeing here with the Tigers that, you know, I, we really like the process of this draft there, you know, they're aiming for more upside. They're really trying to get, you know, they're kind of aiming for a superstar here, um, you know, and seeing that even if they can get one or two of these guys pan out to be above average major league players, if not better, um, that that provides more value than just, you know, college reliever, college reliever, a guy who might be a fourth outfielder, those types of uh, those types of players. Um, and so even if this, you know, all falls apart on them and Casey Mize might turn out to be great. But if the rest of the draft class is totally awful, I think we need to kind of look back on this and say, you know, their their process was the right in that they you know were identifying guys maybe they didn't identify them well enough um but they at least had the idea in mind of going after upside and trying to get a superstar in the system yeah yep or at least yeah pull a couple guys who who could be above average yeah above average major leaguers rather than yeah the the consistent kind of emphasis on system depth um fortunately i guess you know maybe we're just lucky in in that the tigers you know are pretty well stocked as far as catching goes so there wasn't the sec catcher portion of the draft um you know that that didn't come up and we'll have to see if you know if that's something that that kind of continues on in the years to come or if they have to return to that and on the other hand you know obviously you you need system catchers you you need a couple guys that can at least um you know handle a pitching staff well even if you never find find the bat but um that became kind of such a trope um of a lot of tigers drafts that yeah it was it was kind of a relief just not to see anything like that come across this time. Um, you know, there was no, you know, 
SEC closer with, you know, mediocre stuff, really, but who had been successful because of his control in college. Um, there just wasn't, really wasn't any, any of that. They swung for the fences, and if they fall down, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty content with the way they, they went about things this time. And, you know, we're going to get beyond pick 10 tomorrow, and, and honestly, beyond that, I have not the first clue who these people are or whether or not any of them have any shot. But, um, yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll just kind of keep the coverage rolling and, yeah, get you guys at least these, these people's names and, and kind of vital signs at least. And uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You never know. Maybe we'll find a Mike Gerber out there again. Hey, it'd be nice. Yep. Yep. People can, uh, people can ding on the Gerber, but you know, if he even turns out to be half of a platoon in the major leagues, I mean, that is a huge score for where they pulled that guy. So, yep. All right. Um, anything else? Anything else you want to go into? No, not really. I think we'll just kind of keep it short and sweet. All right. Let's go write stuff and and go to bed. Um, all right. Yeah. I just want to thank everybody um, for joining us. Um, if you're interested and can support the site at all for us, um, please head over to our Patreon page at www patreon.com backslash bless you boys. Um, we do put special content up there um, from time to time. And we're also always kind of looking for you guys feedback as to anything we can do for you over there, uh, particularly at the $5 level. Um, we, we did put out a draft podcast there last week. So yep, there is some content coming your way there. Um, and until then, you know, I'm going to have Ashley on who is back from vacation. Um, we're planning on doing the, the kind of the regular podcast again on Thursday. So you should look for that on Friday. And apart from that, we'll just keep rolling out the draft coverage. Um, yep. Rob, thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, good to be on. All right. Talk to you soon. See ya. Bye-bye.